This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Nice ringtone that you have. Thank you, man. Very good. I like that. Yeah, right? Man, I'm still buzzing a little bit about yesterday. I really enjoyed yesterday's show. Yeah. Dana White was fantastic. All the guys from uh, Edward Waters College. Uh, Joshua Jackson, Greg Ruffin, the football coach, Dr. Paul Bryant, the athletic director. If you, a lot of energy. Show, I went a lot of energy the, on the show, man. Was kind of like the, the key takeaway from the show yesterday. I liked it. You know, and here's the deal. I, I said this, and I really want to be careful how I say this, because I appreciate all the interviews that we get, and I appreciate from... It doesn't have to be a big interview. It doesn't have to be someone at Radio Row at the Super Bowl. Uh, I, I like all our interviews. But sometimes there's a distinct difference between interviews. And... Uh, We've had them on before, and I uh, won't name names, but I mean, just some that you kind of like, okay, they're here because we asked them to come. It was very nice of them to come on, but mm-hmm. they're really not into it that much. Dana White did yeah. the rounds like with everybody yesterday, which I didn't realize. I didn't realize he was doing all that uh, at the time and that, here we, that thought we were getting. Special, I know, I really did. For I'm not yeah. going to lie to you. I exclusive we 690 <laughs> coverage. <laughs> well, I knew we weren't going to be exclusive. He talked yeah. to Yahoo, and he talked, yeah, but he yeah. did make some local rounds, and he also uh, he talked to. A, I, I ended up seeing he was on like CNBC, and he was on all these places. So obviously, yesterday was a big media day. Yeah. Uh, for the UFC coming to Jacksonville. But I just left that, uh, you know, and went back and listened to it and uh, was thinking last night a little more about it. And I don't do this about our industry very much and maybe not enough about our show and everything else. But I, I just thought he was really fun. Uh, you know, you made it a big part of that because you really know the MMA stuff. Totally different. If I was going to ask about it, I couldn't have gotten as in-depth as you did. But he just brought it. You know, and yeah. uh, we were talking golf, football, hating the media or UFC and, and promoting the fights, which you knew he'd have energy to promote the fights. That's yeah. his baby. Uh, I just thought he was really good. By the way, our other guests yesterday were fantastic, too. Uh, mm-hmm. So it brought a lot of energy to the show. I really liked it. So today we're not going to have any shows nope. over. Sorry, man. We're just going to milk this one in. <laughs> Here's the thing that I want to talk about. A little. Well, a couple of things. Number one. Yeah, of course, Dana White brought the energy. I mean, keep in mind, it is his job to sell fights, right? So he always yeah. has to bring it. He always it, has it to be on his, his A game. game. I get and, it. That's but, his game. But at the same but time, though, does he have to bring it to Jacksonville? No, like, for sure. Yeah, whatever. No, hey, for guys, sure. I appreciate it. You know, no, but, hey, listen, canned I'm answers. Just, I'm just super thankful that he came on. Like you said, he he was, uh, you know, he was himself. You know, he really held no punches, if you will, no pun intended. So yeah, it was a great interview. The one thing that, because I, I went back and listened to the interview as well, and yeah, yeah, it's got great traction. You know, there's some MMA websites that are kind of taking it now and rolling with it, which is cool to see. But the one takeaway that I didn't really think of to her the, the second time around. It's his thoughts on the NFL season. Because keep in mind who Dana White is right now. Yeah. Dana White's the guy that sat with Donald Trump when they're talking with Roger Goodell and on other sports, you know, presidents and CEOs and things like that. Dana White's been all, in all those meetings. So Dana White's heard things probably that nobody else has really heard revolving the sports world. And if you go back and listen to the interview yesterday, Dana White was pretty adamant about saying that. He's not sure if the NFL season is going to happen next this well, up and coming year. He slid that in, and you're exactly right, because mm-hmm. I was uh, on a walk with Steph, not talking to her, instead just listening to the interview, because that's what I do. Oh, is that work? I'm all a man. And, work uh, ethics, oh, you know, unmatched. And now I need something to do, since I know I'm not going to talk to Steph I took, on my walks. I took one out of your book today. Me and Nicole went to the beach, and I just sat on my phone emailing people the whole time. <laughs> See where I get to, you guys. See where it gets you. But, but you're right. He slipped it in toward the end of the year. You asked him about Tom Brady and the yeah, Patriots. Yeah. And we asked if they were tanking for Trevor's type of thing. He said, and he kind of slipped it in. He's like, if there's a season. Mm-hmm. And you're right about that. So carry on. But it's a good point that he has been in the uh, – talk about all the commissioners that met with Trump and 
he's been one of those guys. So yeah. what does he know? What does he think? And as a guy who kind of has a feel for other sports, see, he's kind of the um, the rebel sport, right? He does it, he's a lot like, in a sense, not exactly, so don't get this wrong. I, I don't want to um, uh, disrespect him in any way because I don't know how we would take this. But Vince McMahon's like this. Like, wrestling doesn't follow the same rules. Vince McMahon, that's the outlaw thing, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's technically, uh, by some, entertainment more than sport. Well, MMA, UFC, Dana White, definitely sport. Mm-hmm. Also entertainment, but definitely fits in the outlaw kind of category, I would think, versus the maybe sometimes conservative approaches of some of the other leagues. So... You're right there. And I think the UFC, Brent, they're not really worried about the NFL at all. You know, like, if anything, man, like, you know, getting players to kind of chime in on Twitter and say they're watching the fights, that probably helps them, right? Because the UFC, I mean, nine times out of ten, probably even more than that, they never have to go against the NFL because the NFL plays their games on what? Monday, Thursday, and Sunday. The UFC fights, usually unless, you know, it's, it's overseas or something like that, the fights are on a Saturday. So the NFL is not any competition with the UFC. Now, college yeah, football, you can make an argument. But this is my point, though. Dana White's got no reason to, you know, bring a, a negative spin to the NFL. Because he's, let's be honest, he's a fan himself. He's Like he said, he's a big Patriots fan, man. Like he, he's always rocking his Patriots gear um, to the UFC events. So with that being said, once again, I'm just... I'm a little curious, and I wish I would have picked his brain a little more about what he feels that the landscape of the NFL um, is going to be like. Because he's been privileged to more information than you have, than more information than I have. And then, let's be honest, more information than a lot of people on ESPN or Pick Your Sports Network have had. I mean, he's been at the epicenter of the dealings with Donald Trump and then Roger Goodell and all that stuff. So, once again, the fact that he didn't really remain optimistic about the NFL season... It could speak volumes. Yeah, well, uh, Dana White was on with us yesterday, and that's a great call going back. And we kind of did. There were so many other things to talk about. He did mention that. Now, to that degree, okay, uh, I think I actually had some of these conversations today with mm-hmm. someone. And, and by the way, not on like a formal level. So it was more just what everybody's been you, doing, right? It, it's you and Trump are talking to each other. What's up, man? <laughs> did you give him a call last night? <laughs> yeah, we were playing golf. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, there you uh, go. But. So very informed. What we all are trying to do, right? Project and see where we're at, and what's the business going to look like, and what what what's the fall going to look like? Well, a couple of things. We're going to talk about the schedule a little bit today, and kind of the ideal schedule for the Jags. But tomorrow's a big day in the NFL because if I'm an NFL player, if I work around the NFL kind of like we do, to me, when you release that schedule, that means you really do think there's going to be a season. Mm-hmm. So there's an important nature to that. But I do think the hesitation. Still, and I think this is a real hesitation, is what about the fans? What about the fan involvement? Now, listen, you say, Brent, no kidding. Everybody's been saying that for for weeks and months. I get. Well, I think it's more reality. As we get closer to the schedule release, uh, there were reports yesterday that uh, I think it was the AP reported that Commissioner Goodell sent teams a note, a letter, Mm -hmm. basically saying a refund policy for tickets Mm -hmm. instead of a credit system for tickets. So that, no, Jags had kind of said that on Monday when they released their plan, but that was a league-wide memo that the AP got their hands on. So that means now the NFL is thinking about it. They're Mm -hmm. cognizant of it. So do I think the season is going along with plan, the schedule? Yes, that will happen tomorrow, and that will be a big part of it because I think from a player standpoint, from a coverage standpoint, from a league standpoint, it's like, all right, 
There it is. It's in front of us. There are actually games on the schedule, and they're at this date. That's what they're planning. But the fan part of this is totally different, and uh, we'll talk about that. Like, what could it look like? What will it look like? What will it sound like? Uh, if there are no fans, we really haven't done that too much on the football side because the season is so far away. Yeah. But uh, talking to a couple of different people today, it got me thinking about that. Just thinking about some of the bone crushing hits and what they might sound oh, like gonna, with whoa. no fans to cover up Listen, some of the noise. This is the joy, though, of being in the AMC South Division, right? Because if you're the Jacksonville Jaguars, you contact the Indianapolis Colts and you get a hold of that crowd noise that Indianapolis is pumping out <laughs> through, you know, through 2010 to 2013. And you get a hold of them, man. You start pumping some crowd noise. And you really don't skip a beat. I'm going to ask a question today, man. Okay. You want to be like Mike? Which Mike? Jordan or Tyson? Mm, Mike. I got a oh, really oh, weird right now. Weird. Well, just a weird thing about this I mean, when I'm I was not, thinking I'm not about it. To prison time now. Uh, and we are really talking about some killer bees. We oh, really I can't are. wait. You have unhealthy wait. knowledge of bees. I grew up on a it's bee unhealthy farm. Unhealthy knowledge of unhealthy, bees. Unhealthy, I grew up on a bee it's farm. It's coming what up. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Brett Martin, Austin Lane, Coos here on a Wednesday. Yeah, yeah, take your time. Almost did Thursday. T- take your time. You're going to get there. <laughs> Wednesday. What day is it? Uh, absolutely. Hope everybody's doing well. Hope everybody's families are well. Uh, it's supposed to get a little rain in the area today. I don't think it happened. I'm telling you, this weather's been unbelievable. A little hot, uh, but so what? I mean, it's early May, in my opinion. And I guess it's going to cool down, Mike Burrish said, over the next few days. So uh, the weather continues to be fantastic. Uh, count your blessings on that front. If you're in other parts of the country and the weather is not good and obviously uh, COVID-19 has hit maybe even a little harder in some of those parts of the country, well, um, it's a totally different story. That, that'll be one of the most memorable, memorable things about this is how different it would be if you were in different segments of the country. Very, very few things are like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I mean, obviously, if you're around here, you, you deal with hurricanes, mm-hmm. right? Uh, if you're up north, you deal with blizzards and, and snowstorms. And if you're out west uh, in California and stuff, you deal with earthquakes. Correct. You, know, you understand that. But from this has that feel to it that if you're like in New York and New Jersey and if you're in Philly, if you're in Massachusetts uh, where, where I have family, if you're in California, it's a totally different feel uh, than kind of what it feels like around here. And I guess to a degree, if you're in some parts of Florida, like some parts of South Florida, it even feels a little bit different around this whole deal uh, than it does now. I'll continue to say, and this is not me uh, su- suppressing the the importance of this. This is just reality. I know one person. In two months of this, that has been impacted, affected, has it uh, one person, yeah, and that's Tony Baselli. Mm-hmm. I I don't know anybody else. Like I'm, I feel like I know a decent amount of people. Yeah, and I have, I don't know anybody else that has it. My sister actually was tested uh, because her um, significant other is a firefighter, mm. and his. Um, uh, ladder mate, I guess you would call it, okay. uh, who shares a truck with, had it. Okay. So they had to get tested. That was the other. That was just recently, but uh, they were both negative, mm-hmm. and so that's it. I mean, it it's so bizarre how it hits people in different ways. And again, I think there's actually been in, in, a slow down your life part of this has been kind of almost pleasing. Mm-hmm. So is that even allowed to say when people have been really impacted economically and health wise, yet? Your life hasn't changed that too much. Uh, much, uh, And I, I just said it to somebody in the last hour. I said, 
if your life has been impacted economically, and by the way, we still can be and, and could be, and all of us in, to some degree, well, or you have been uh, or know people that have been sick by this, you feel totally different about it. And if you're in different parts of the country, you feel totally different about it. It's just a weird deal in that sense. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, it depends on location, obviously. It depends, I guess, how active you are in social media. I mean, to kind of get to your point a little bit, as far as, like, people that, that I don't that have it, I mean, I could probably only name one or two, you know, and it's nothing, like, nobody close. I mean, it's just, you know, friends of friends. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, like, as far as my family and myself, like, we haven't been affected by it at all. But then, obviously... You go on social media, and I get it, man. You have to take it with a grain of salt of what you read and um, and what to follow, man. But then, like, when you see what's happening in New York, like, that's not made up. You know, like, that's not a fabrication. I mean, that's that's the real deal up there, man. They're, they're, they're still going through it. So you take that into account, and it's hard because you want to make decisions based off of, you know, the bubble that you live in, right? Like, right now, we just said it. We don't know the people that have coronavirus Everyone's like, all right, well, let's just go back to normal. I mean, we're all good. But then you go to New York, man, and you see what they're doing dealing with up there. Um, it's a different story. So it's hard to, you know, think outside of the bubble, think outside the city that you're in and realize that it's bigger than just us, right? I mean, it's it's a global thing, obviously. It's a national thing, obviously. And when you're talking about sports especially, um, you got to remember that there's more happening than just in the state that you're in. Yeah, and, and by the way, I think our opinions are shaped by a little bit of that, of where we are. If we're doing this show in New England or in uh, the mid-Atlantic, uh, New, New Jersey and, and New York area, would we feel a little bit different about everything going on? Maybe. I, I, I don't know, uh, but maybe. Uh, bottom line is uh, the NFL schedule is coming out tomorrow. Sports looks like it's getting back a little bit around here. I saw baseball fields in my neighborhood being groomed today, which makes you kind of think in a couple of weeks they might be entertaining, hosting tournaments and, and games and those kind of things. I don't know, but we could be getting to that point. I think uh, it's trending that way for the summer. So a lot of good things in that sense. Obviously, all the beaches are now open. Um, I think full go uh, in, in, in that regard. So uh, we're seeing it. It's unfolding here. I just I think we got to keep that perspective. And I, and I almost say that out loud to everybody to remind myself to keep the perspective of this is still a global pandemic, and some people are impacted way more than others. Mm -hmm. uh, simple as that. That being said, though, how does that impact what might go on in the fall? What, what the NFL is thinking, keep in mind, the NFL is headquartered in New York. That's where their league offices are. They feel this thing heavy. Uh, they have also navigated through the last couple of months by keeping business as usual from a transaction point of view. They just pulled off a draft in the most unique way possible. And... I think because, yeah, down here, Tampa, Miami, Atlanta, uh, Jacksonville, you've got a few teams, Carolina maybe might fit in this and say, well, they might be ready to go. Yeah, they'll have fans there, no problem. Well, stop and think about MetLife Stadium, New York Jets, New York Giants, mm -hmm. Gillette Stadium, Patriots, California, L.A., L.A., New Stadium, uh, San Francisco. Mm -hmm. Big market, right? Yep. A lot of people. Think about those teams I just mentioned alone, and you could probably bring the Eagles into play here and, and others. But think about those. Those are huge market teams, mm -hmm. big market teams that could be heavily impacted longer than folks down here in the southeast or other parts of the country. And you have to wonder how that skews their thinking, their planning, 
and the execution of what will be an NFL season as we go forward. So I think uh, that will, will set the table for this next discussion. How are they thinking? How are they going to go on about this? And how much are they seriously planning no fans or limited fans in these NFL stadiums? Yeah, you know, we, we've talked about it before on the show, and it's just no one really knows what's going to happen in the future. No, one's, what's gonna, no, one, no one knows what's going to happen in the next week or so, let alone when the football season is supposed to start up, okay? Um, I think the benefit, though, of the NFL League offices being in New York, I'm not really saying it's a benefit, but I'm just saying what they can take away from it is they're kind of at the epicenter of how bad it is, right? So, Roger Goodell, and, and I get it, man. The NFL is all about making money, and dollars always going to be king, even more than player safety, and I'll argue that till you know the day I die. But that's, <laughs> that's, that's another story. It's another argument for another day. But I think that... They have to be careful in how they send the right message out to people. They have to be careful of how the world is seeing how the NFL is going to react to this. Because right now they've had the benefit of not really having to do anything, right? Like the draft went on, you know, obviously um, not in Vegas, but it still went on without a hitch and everything. And I think it was met with some pretty good reviews. So that wasn't the issue there. We'll see with OTAs. We'll see with training camp, all that stuff. But they're they're gonna be under a microscope, okay? And they're the biggest sport in the country, you know, arguably probably second or third biggest sport in the world. So they will be under the microscope of, of how they handle this going forward. So there'll be a lot of pressure on them um, to do the right thing, obviously. And of course, no matter what they do, I'm sure there's gonna be some blowback. But it's like I said, I think they have the advantage of being in New York and kind of having um, a pulse on exactly just how bad it can be. Yeah, and listen, Miami on Good Morning America a few days ago, one of their executives kind of unveiled a a, a thought process, you know, that contingency plan. And and listen, be honest, everybody's doing this around the NFL. Everybody's been doing this in sport. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have to plan for this. This is you're talking about fifty, sixty thousand people in a stadium that. You can't just change two weeks before the season and say, oh, well, we thought it was going to happen all along. They have to be ready, all right? This is big business. They'll be ready for these kind of things. And, uh, again, I've said all along, maybe we're lucky because the engine that is the NFL that really drives so many industries in sports uh, didn't get impacted from a game perspective like the other sports. Mm. But the NFL is also very lucky that they've had all this planning, all this data all the examples of what to do, what not to do ahead of them. So they really have to get it right. There's pressure on them to get it right because you can't say, oh, well, we didn't know. We've never done this before. Well, everybody's been the blueprint of what to do, what not to do, how to react. And so Roger Goodell will have some pressure on him in that sense. The owners will have some pressure on them to get this right because this didn't sneak up on them. This is like not having presents ready on Christmas, man. Hmm. I mean, it, it, it's the same day every year. Yeah, and yeah, so uh, you got to be ready. But the Miami Dolphins unveiled a plan that showed they have a 65,000-seat stadium. They said as as little as 15,000 could be in there, and they could execute a plan that way. Some of it was the even getting out of the building the after the game is over, unve- uh, releasing fans uh, row by row, almost like you were in church, mm. uh, and, and, and getting out of church that way. So there's a lot of... There will be a lot of different ideas, be what's the right thing to do, what's the wrong thing to do. How much does the consumer, how much does the fan take on responsibility and risk going to these games? Are they willing to do it? Uh, talk to somebody today. I thought this was a fascinating point. Say you're you're only allowed to fill up the stadium at 25% at that time. That's what people are comfortable with. We want fans there, but we only can do it at 25%. Do you raise the ticket prices? <laughs> hmm. I mean, yeah. because it's now a max, now it's it's... 
supply and demand. Sure. I mean, couldn't you do that? You could find 15,000 people to, the, uh, to, to pay premium pricing, I'm sure, mm. and still fill it. Depending on who the team is. Yeah, depending. You know? But those are the ideas that go into it, right? Those yeah. are the thoughts that get provoked by it. And by the way, in the back of your mind, you're hoping the whole time, hey, let's just have 65,000 be ready to roll. And again, that might be at your own risk. But yeah. let's be ready to roll the normal way we do things. The biggest thing that has to happen going forward is that every single NFL city and every single NFL team has to be on the same page. You can't just go by the ordinances set up by each city, right? Like, for instance, right now, uh, the city of Jacksonville, it's a lot more... Um, easy going right now in terms of how you know coronavirus is being handled compared to like in New York or compared to a California where it's you know probably a little more dangerous over there. So with that being said, you can't justify having like Jacksonville. All right, well, let's open it to everybody. But you know what, New York, no, you can only have about you know fifteen thousand people at that stadium because now you're talking about a clear competitive advantage depending how many fans can show up. And listen, I get that you could go by each city's standards and each city's guidelines. But at the same time, you have to even the playing field, okay? And, like, to give other teams advantage and th- things like that, I don't think that would be right, especially during the pandemic. Well, and, and that's interesting. And as we get closer, I think more of those conversations will take place. Like in Major League Baseball, NBA, they've thrown out ideas of neutral site games and, and places in Vegas and Orlando or Tampa, I'm sorry, Florida and Arizona for baseball. I don't know if we'd be like that in the football world. But even from a, a sense of somebody asked me this today and I, I just don't know, I, but I think they're all relevant questions and they're interesting talking points mm-hmm. to at least think about. And this is what the NFL and the owners and, and people in charge have to think about. If New York is not ready to go, say, MetLife Stadium, do you play there with no fans? But do you play down in Jacksonville and Tampa and other places with fans? I mean, could we see mm-hmm. – do you have to be on an even playing field in that regard? I don't know if you do. I, I, I'm not see, sure. I, I think you, pe- don't you think players would welcome the, no, uh, the players, idea of, hey, all right, I'll go down there and play with fans. I, I'd rather do that. Listen, players wouldn't care, but owners would care. Like, how is it fair to be an NFL owner and you can't open the stadium to any fans, but then your peers, other people in your group, you go to Jacksonville and they can fill out a stadium or have a stadium? I like, think it would then relate to what is the how, – how could you do a revenue share type thing? Do you split the gates in that sense? I don't know. Uh, well, I don't then, know. You know what? If you do that then, or does then the I'm NFL not taking the risk. Their money, right? Well, maybe the, then. Because the NFL, in my opinion – here's the thing. If there are no state – no – this is what I believe. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, we're, we're trying to all act like the commissioners here. and But I don't think they know a whole bunch. So that's why I don't think these things are that outlandish. But if you ask me if the if any stadium was going to put however many people and 60,000 people in there, and you normally would get that and your ticket revenue is X amount of dollars, I believe the NFL, because they've got an abundance of money. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on. There's been I had a windfall of money for a decade here. You know, they're sitting on a great big pile of money. It's not like they have to perform in 2020 to be able to pay their bills. No, they're fine. I wonder if there will be some kind of almost relief program to the owners that they will they won't give them all the ticket revenue. But maybe if you're only can put 15,000 in a stadium or 25 percent uh, uh, in a stadium, would you then? The NFL kick in another what 25 percent would have been in in the gate in the revenue in these stadiums and and kind of give them let's just say write a check for five million dollars to each team mm-hmm. uh, to in in the 2020 season. I mean they might do something like that. I don't know. It's almost like a bailout for the owners. Not that they need it. I, I understand this yeah. is a huge business, but. 
that's more the NFL. I mean, that might be the responsibility of the NFL to say, hey, you couldn't even fill your stadium this year because you weren't allowed to. So we're going to, you know, give you a little bit of a, a bonus check here um, for your bottom line. I don't know. That crossed my mind today. No, it's an it's an interesting theory. Um, an argument could be made, though, would players be upset over that? Because essentially the players are showing up for work and they're still collecting their paychecks. The owners are kind of getting bailed out a little bit because I guess I, I get like the owners depend on the fans to show up to make their revenue and the players go on the field Some and they do it. Yeah. But I think that the players could have an argument saying, well, why are the owners getting bailed out? Yeah, I, I wouldn't think they'd have much of an argument, to be honest with you, mm-hmm. because they're going to work and they're getting their check. The well, owners so are going yeah, to work, but they don't have the opportunity to create more revenue. But let me ask you this, though. Say the season gets delayed and the owners get a bailout and the players don't, then... Well, maybe then you, you talk a little bit different. Maybe it gets a little more gray yeah. uh, in, in that regard. So I, who knows how it's going to work? Uh, here's what I thought about today. Okay, take the economics out because we don't know. Take a, take the how many fans can go out. But what if we don't have fans or have very few fans in the NFL stadium? Think about this, okay? Think about how our viewing experience will change. I watch a little bit of the Korean baseball stuff uh, for like an inning. God bless you, Brent. And, and if you watch like. Take, if you watch golf with Tiger out of it, then mm-hmm. golf's going to start back up. I think if you watch those things on TV I'm talking about, mm-hmm. now the atmospheres inside internally will be different, no doubt. But if you watch on TV, like I didn't need fans in the Korean Baseball League to watch baseball and enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I didn't need it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, maybe in the eighth inning of a tie game and in, in the play. Like, I think, I feel like you feel the fans in baseball in the postseason. Mm-hmm. That's when you feel them. And game. 72 of the uh, in June. I don't know if the fans are really. Whoa! I can't watch this game. It feels so different. Yeah. Golf very similar unless Tiger's fist pumping on 18 and 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 you hear the roar of the crowd. Right. Mm-hmm. Tiger's the only one that the crowd really jumps off the TV at you in golf. I do feel like basketball is totally different. Like watching basketball with no fans because you could just hear a lot the, of yeah a lot of sneakers squeaking. sneakers squeaking that yeah. is a different sound we're not mm-hmm. used to that mm-hmm. well think about football college football but especially NFL football think about the bone crushing hits mm-hmm. that would be like whoa mm-hmm. <laughs> like that would actually be awesome yeah. to be able to hear that like think about fox putting that mic on the field sometimes and you hear it on the replay or when they play it back but you'd be hearing that like every play the audio guy would be like the most valuable player, by the way, in these broadcasts. Yeah. Think about the amount of swearing that goes on on the field. You've been there before mm-hmm. that we don't hear and doesn't get picked up. The calls that are made. Heck, you could hear sideline to sideline. Probably you could have coaches shouting at each other in empty stadiums because they can so, hear each other. Listen. I mean, th- just think about the sounds uh, of what you normally hear and don't hear, but you would hear with no fans. If you're NFL Network. If you're ABC, if you're CBS or whatever, and you want to do something new, you want to do something exciting and possibly generate some revenue, assume that the fans can't show up to the games to start out with, here's what you do for NFL games. You have two channels. We've talked about this before. Yeah. One channel, just have it, whatever. You know, just one channel, just have the hits and everything. Obviously, lower the mics down the players so you can't hear it. But um, essentially, it's an empty stadium and it's football. Okay. And that's the one channel. The other channel, a la The Last Dance, where one channel is swearing and one channel is censored. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But the other channel, you turn the mics and the players up, and you get everybody. 
okay? And you kind of get a behind-the-scenes, behind-the-curtain a little bit about the game of football. So not n- number one, obviously you can hear the bone-crunching hits. Number two, you can hear how the quarterbacks are calling out audibles. You can hear how the linebackers are setting everybody up. And you can get a full feel of the game, something that no one's really ever saw be- or heard before unless you're watching you know, NFL films, the old-school films, where they have like the big mics on the sidelines and they do like the recap games. But I'm talking about a live football game with mics turned up to the nth degree. And uncensored, um, unfiltered, just football the way it was meant to be heard. I think that if you're, you know, once again, if you're ESPN, if you're NBC, if you're ABC, if you're NFL Network, if you're Fox, whoever's showing the games, if you offer that, I think you have something special there. Not only that, you know what I thought about? I'm like, in that sense, now maybe it's more the players on the field, but I wonder if it would jump across the TV. I mean, a guy gets crushed in actually injury and you don't root for that. I mean, mm-hmm. heck, you might be able to hear some of that stuff. Sure. Like, first of all, the amount of pain inflicted. Yeah. But secondly, like. <laughs> well, and, and listen, the, let's not sell society short here. All right. There's a reason why the UFC is so popular. There's a reason why people still like show those bone crunching hits on Twitter and videos and things like that, because people still love some of the violence that's associated with football and, and other combat sports and things like that. So I get it. Yeah. If a guy breaks his leg, uh, you know, coming through in HD, you could clearly hear it. But it is what it is, man. That's that's part of football. Like the players here on the field. So guess what? Then the fans watching can hear it at home as well. Yeah, I I just somebody in the last hour brought it up to me about that. Just the swearing and the audibles and the calls and all that. And you, and we have talked about that extra channel where you could kind of buy into it or something. Uh, you just have to get so many people to agree with it and, and to it. And, and that didn't happen in this CBA, so it's probably a long time off. Oh but but yeah. I. I but your point is on, you know, I think I think I don't know how it's all executed. I don't know to what degree it's executed, but it feels like you're watching like any given Sunday, like the uh, in the theaters almost. Yeah. By watching an NFL game with no ambient sound outside of what actually is going on on the field. Listen, here's what then I get the players might not be involved in it. So here's the here's there's a solution to that. So every single channel, whether it's CBS, who's ever showing the games. You offer the alternative, okay? And whether it's like a streaming service where people got to pay a little extra for it, so be it. You take all that revenue that you make from that, and you give a big percentage to the players, okay? So now the players are making more money. And essentially the players are doing the exact same thing they've always done in the football field. Now there's just you know, there's some microphones and there's some cameras out there. Once again, I think you could have something there. I mean, will they do it? Probably not. But I think it would be a foolish thing. If I can watch the last dance on ESPN and I can hear Michael Jordan drop 20 F-bombs per episode, I can go on turn a football game and hear players cussing. I was just okay? thinking about that. you know. I was, I'm gonna, and they warn you about it, but I, I was gonna, I'm going to have to look at – I'm sure somebody did an article about this. But how did ESPN get away with putting that on with the FCC – it all the, did they ask for a one-time pass? I, I don't know. I mean, I heck, I'm in the business. I don't know how that operates. I'm going to dig into that, though, because you just brought it up, and now I'm curious. Because mm-hmm. what happens is, if in the NFL, if the mic picks up a swear, mm-hmm. uh, or in any sporting event, mm-hmm. any TV event, heck, if I swore on the news, you get fined. Sure. Right? So if it picks it up, you get dinged for that, and it's a pretty hefty fine, you know? Uh, you know, we're talking about a billion-dollar industry, so it might not seem like much to them, but it's a pretty good fine. And even if it's your fault or not, if it was accident or not, I mean, that's if you let that on, you're getting dinged for it by the FCC. Well, I wonder how 
ESPN got away around that by being able to showcase the unedited version, the uncensored version on ESPN. I, I just think I've said this often, okay? I have more appreciation for what football players do, maybe more than any other sport, mm-hmm. because I've been on the sidelines during an NFL game. Not a college game. I've been on the sidelines during a college game, too, but the NFL game. At the fastest the game is played, the most violent the game is played, with the toughest men in that sport, I have been on the field, on the sideline, 10, 15, 20 feet away from it. Mm-hmm. And that has shaped my perspective of an appreciation and respect for guys like you who played the game and, and current guys that do play the game. It is totally different, in my opinion, than watching it from the front row. Mm. Then even that 25 extra feet is different. Uh, being yeah. up in the stands is totally different. Being in the press box is, is like being on Mars. Yeah. And so I have this appreciation. It's also why you, it shifts my You can feel the energy, though. Like, it, it, it's, it's hard to explain via the radio. But if you feel it, you feel it. You but feel like, it. When you're on the sidelines and you know, you're, you're right next to a huddle or something like that, there's like just this certain type of energy, this aura that escalates off players, and it's palpable, man. It's great, and I, I can't explain it. You yeah, know, but it's it's there. It's true, <laughs> but again, I think it it shapes my appreciation for the toughness and violent mm-hmm. nature of the sport, and why I have said on this show multiple times, and nobody uh, agree, nobody thinks I'm I'm truthful, sure. is that I wouldn't go in for a million bucks to play a series. Yeah, uh, it, it, at TIAA Bank, I wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, unless you just told me I could stand on the side and not have to get hit, <laughs> yeah, yeah. that would be different. But yeah. I, I just wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Like I appreciate it that much. But what what would be interesting here is how much respect maybe a viewer, the fan, the average fan, the diehard fan would then get that same feeling of appreciation if they just heard all the sounds of the game raw with no other sounds in a stadium. And it's, and so I wonder how much more appreciation we would have as fans. Yeah. For the sport of football and maybe even love for the sport of football and respect for the players if we got it in that sense, that raw nature of it, which I guess is possible. I'm not saying it will happen, but it would almost be a cool experience, I think, to to watch on TV. And in my opinion, there's zero negatives to it. Okay, if you're worried about the foul language, because spoiler, there will be foul language. Okay, I can turn on TV, any channel, (laughs) and and there's going to be foul language. Okay, Um, if you're really trying to. You know, blanket your children as you can't say those words. You, you know, you can't, you can't even hear those words. Like to me, that's not the, that's not the way to go about. You know, teaching your kids what and what not to say. But that's once again different story for a different day. But you always have the option, right? Where if you're worried about it, then go on the channel that's censored. Go on the channel where the mics are turned down a little bit. To me, it's it's a no-brainer, Brent, because it's a win-win situation. You give the hardcore football fans, your general audience. Something like something new, something fresh, something exciting in a climate where, you know what, we miss the fans. We miss all the cheering because that's an advantage, man. Like, especially if you go to the games, like, you know how much a crowd can, um, you know, sway a football game. Well, if that's not on your TV screen, you need something else to blanket that. Okay. And you need something else to look at and you need something else to hear. I mean, to me, football, it's the ultimate game of senses. Yes, you, you watch the game and everything, but like you said, it's the sound, it's the collisions, it's the crowd. I mean, it's, it, it touches all your senses, you know what I'm saying? So with that being said, the audible part of it then feature the players. It, it's only gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna showcase guys. You wanna talk about branding? Oh yeah. You wanna talk about branding? Yeah. It's gonna showcase guys, man. Good and like, bad. It's a little risky in that sense. Good and bad, man, but at the end of the day, like, listen, 
people have a, an idea of what those guys say and yeah, what yeah. they go through. Okay, they always call it the locker room talk kind of thing, right? Like you, you know what's going on. So once again, if you if it offends you, then so be it. Then turn the channel and watch the other you know stream or whatever like that. But if you want the the real deal, um, hundred percent football in your face, it is what it is. Then turn it on, man, and listen to what players say and listen to how they act and. I'm sure people will be blown away by it. All right, a uh, quick uh, thought or two on the schedule when we come back, because a little bit later on, I'm going to reveal a couple of, like, uh, faux schedules. <laughs> I have no idea if this is what it looks like, but would we? Would you like a schedule that looks like A, B, or C uh, for the Jaguars? What's, like, the ideal schedule for the Jags? But before we get to that, how important is this schedule release coming up? I've uh, been a little surprised, by the way, that we're not getting the preseason games first. Yeah, but we're going to get three-hour... <laughs> Countdown to the schedule release. I know, but to my, to to my point, belts, and, 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 I, and I put this out on Twitter earlier, and somebody said that you get three hours. I, I get it. I mean, you could do a lot in the three hours, but you also could have three days worth of discussion because of the preseason if you had dropped it yesterday or even today. Yeah. Just shocked. The NFL usually does it that way. But the NFL schedule is coming out tomorrow. I'll tell you exactly what time, uh, what do you expect, and I really want to get your perspective. The players care. It shapes my life. The no. fans... Put it on their calendars. It means something. And understanding, we it, it means everything right now because we're just looking for something new and some information. <laughs> and that life is going to happen in the fall. Yeah, yeah. What about players? Do they care? Well, you can talk about that next on yeah. ESPN 690. I think the mindset is that we're going to go forward with Lander on the team. I had a good conversation with him on Friday. I know Coach Marone's had some discussions with him. Um, he seems to be in great shape and a and great mental uh, frame of mind. And we feel like that he'll, he'll have a great season this year. Well, they might have tried to unload him. It's not going to happen for Leonard Fournette. Certainly doesn't look that way. And uh, that's General Manager Dave Caldwell was talking uh, to Pro Football Talk and uh, the other day and said uh, going forward with Leonard Fournette. Listen, the Jaguars tried to wheel and deal. Uh, I don't think that's a secret. Uh, they they couldn't unload him for at least what they wanted. We've talked about this at length. It's not worth revisiting uh, uh, unless you want to, and you're always welcome to, 904-362-9901, but at least not right now. I think the next stage will be, okay, how's he looking in camp, and what's his attitude when he talks about it? But I think he tweeted out. He said, hey, it's business. I'm ready to go. Uh, I, there's Does that make you like Leonard Fournette more, the fact that a guy understands it? It's not, again, if this thing was hung over a guy like Jalen Ramsey – he would hold that against the organization forever. And he's not the only one, in fairness to Jalen. There would be a lot of players that essentially were trying to be traded away, didn't yeah. happen, and then have to go work for that same employer. That's not an easy thing to do, Brent. No. You know, because the back of your mind, it's like, well, I'm coming to work, but do they even want me here? Yeah. You know, so at least from what Leonard Fournette has said, now I don't know how he feels. I mean, I'm just going by what he says. Um, he seems to be in the right frame of mind knowing that, this season is all going to be dependent on how well he does because that next contract will be based off his performance this year. Yeah, and I think even even Leonard at times has been like, uh, do I really want to be here? Do I? And uh, am I trying to ask out of here? I mean, you kind of wonder that. Uh, Cam Newton stuff, uh, mm-hmm. all the. Uh, I I just thought it was refreshing to hear him say that. Now, how does he feel? It could change in two weeks. Could change in three months. But obviously, he had a conversation with Dave Caldwell, and they're on the same page. Uh, it is a business. You know, and if you get your feelings hurt easily, it's probably not the greatest business to be in at times. But Leonard knows what's on the table, and uh, it's a huge year for him. And if he delivers, he'll get paid big bucks, whether it's here or somewhere else. It probably won't be here, but uh, maybe it could be. You know, things change. Uh, you know, I, I still haven't given up hope that the Yon thing doesn't change. So yeah. I, I don't think the, the book's closed on that. Uh, I do think things change, uh, whether people want to admit it or not. 
Uh, here's what doesn't change. The NFL schedule gets released usually around this time. Actually, it's a little bit earlier than this uh, before the draft. They waited a couple weeks, I think, in part because of this pandemic. And uh, they could spread uh, the news cycle out a little bit more, too. I don't know how much that had to play into it. But uh, it looks like they needed a few more weeks to get this thing set to kind of get a feel for what's going on with COVID-19. And here we are tomorrow at 730. Uh, the NFL schedule will be released. We will find out what the Jacksonville Jaguars are, uh, when they are playing. We already know who they're playing, but when they are playing. And it is a big deal. Like, uh, I don't know if it's a, I don't know if it's the media that makes it such a big deal because we all know our lives revolve around it. And seriously, it does. Like, yeah. I don't schedule anything until I find out what the, what's going on with the Jags schedule. I mean, it's, it's really an important part of our lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, no doubt about it. But I think a lot of people feel that way. What road trip are they going on? Maybe they want to go to Green Bay. Absolutely. A lot of people do. What time of year oh, I do. does it conflict with the schedule? Yeah. So what trips are the Bold City Brigade planning? Uh, well, can they go on it? Well, not if it's in October, but they can if it's in November. So mm-hmm. all of this uh, is a big deal. And then we found out earlier this week, no London games. That Changes a lot of things. Changes a lot of things, I can tell you, from us internally in terms of planning and working around the Florida-Georgia game. It maybe changes things citywide and internally over at JAG's headquarters because of the Florida-Georgia game. When the bye falls and now you have to worry about being on the road or being home at certain times where the JAGs would have been away plus the bye for three weeks working around Florida-Georgia would have been pretty easy. So how did the NFL navigate that? Earlier this week when they throw out these uh, schedule changes uh, or this actual schedule, we don't know how many changes there have been. So we know it's important. I I know people can't wait for it to come out, and and I'm with you on that uh, tomorrow night, more from a selfish standpoint probably than anything. But what about the players, man? Do the players (laughs) care about this? Do the players – you already know who you're playing. Yeah. But if you you start at home or if you play three games in September at 1 o'clock in Jacksonville Mm – Rather than four o'clock or two games on the road and, or if you go to Green Bay in early December instead of early October, if you finish on the road, which what could be a good game if everybody plans on being successful, uh, at Houston or at Tennessee, mm-hmm. uh, in late December, mm-hmm. uh, the primetime games, how much do the players seriously take a look at this and say, hmm, I don't like that, I like that, or what? Not as much as you guys do. And when I say you guys, I mean I say me too because I'm part of the media, but not as much as the media does apparently. Listen, and then, I mean I've been a part of a couple of these, okay? If you're an NFL player and the schedule drops, you look at a couple of things. Number one, you look at the first game of the season, okay? Because that's obviously important. That's who are you playing to start the season out with? Number two, you look at the teams that, you know, you might have some ties to. For instance, when we played the Packers, well, I think it was 2011, obviously I checked to see, all right, when am I playing Green Bay? Because that's where I'm from. I have family ties there, so players will check that. How out. many tickets do I need? Exactly. <laughs> um, set aside from that, you look at possibly like, for instance, let's say if you play the Chiefs. Or maybe you played the 49ers, you played the Ravens. Like some team like that's pretty, I mean, it's going to be pretty solid, we think, this up and coming season. You check that out. But as far as, like, you know, the West Coast trips in week six or seven, as far as, like, your divisional opponents when you play that, you're not worried about that, man. All right? Like, you're seriously not because you know who you're playing already. Okay? So, like, you set your mind to that, or you know, as it is. So now all you're worried about is the, the, the cities that you, you grew up in or whatever it is, the ties. And then just if you're playing, like, a legit team, and obviously the primetime games, too, are important, but let's be honest, it's Jacksonville, Florida. And when the schedules got announced here in Jacksonville, I mean, sweet, Thursday night, Colts, sweet, Thursday night, Titans, let's get it. Like, there you go.
I think that one Monday night game, my rookie year, we played uh at Pittsburgh? Nah. Baltimore? No, it was Tennessee. Titans. Elvis. No, it was Tennessee Titans. <laughs> because that was my first that was my first time getting playing time or whatever. And Chris Johnson embarrassed me on national television when we were down by like fifteen, twenty or something. Who on the schedule? I think it's interesting you say that though, and I, I I feel like I've heard that from NFL guys. Is that yeah, whatever? I mean, it is what it is. So yeah. what can you do about it? You can't change it. I don't think Doug Marone cares that much. See, it would be different if you didn't know who you were playing. Yeah, because exactly. then it's like, oh man, we're you know we're playing the Ravens this year. Dang, yeah. we're playing the Packers. No, like you know who you're playing already. So just it'll happen. But <laughs> I, I do wonder from like a coach perspective. This isn't like you can have load management like the NBA, right? But. I do wonder if you're Doug Marone and you factor in, you're like, oh, wow, we've got three games in the heat in September at 1 o'clock in Jacksonville or two at home and one in Miami. I wonder if that changes your mindset about training camp when you pull off the the, the gas a little bit in mm. terms of working mm. the guys, all those kind of no. – or maybe you push more. Huh? I'm well, just saying I wonder, here, I wonder if those things do factor but in. But here's the thing, though, at least from the coaches that I've been around, where – if you have a lot of early on games in the heat, so for instance, let's say you start out the NFL season with two home games, right? Well, coaches love that if you're in Jacksonville because that's an advantage. Like teams, yeah, they use say the, it is. Uh, whatever. You don't think so? Well, win more freaking games in September then, and I'll I'll agree that's an advantage. You don't think the heat's an advantage? No, it is. I, I mean, I think it is. You I've are? heard I've heard other players say that when they come to Jacksonville in September, it's rough. So I think it's an advantage. It's rough, but. It doesn't usually decide football games. I haven't seen it. Okay. Get, uh, okay. I, I, do you feel like it was a game in, in – you'd have to really go back and look at the schedule probably. But Tennessee that, Titans week one when we played them 2011. You think you, you had a distinct edge because of the heat? All I know is that we're wearing white and they're wearing their blue jerseys and they were on the bench like dehydrated, cramping up, and we were fine. And we, and we won the ball game. Well, that would be a good example of it. I heard the same, though, about Green Bay coming down here. Jags didn't beat Green Bay. That was a close game, but somehow well, they didn't. Spoiler score. alert, Green Bay is a good team. <laughs> you yeah, know? They, like, I think they were okay that year. Oh, Brent, they're good. Come on, man. Don't shortchange the Green Bay Packers that year. They're well, pretty good. Was that that 2000 and this the, is they uh, know the Super Bowl, no. This is like 2015 or 14. Yeah, I think they were pretty good that year. But all I'm saying is I think the Heat can be an advantage, yes. I don't listen. I think it's about as much an advantage as London was an advantage. Familiarity, but does it mean you're going to win games? Yeah, but whatever. You, you can prepare for a time difference. You cannot prepare for 100 percent humidity if you're coming from Green Bay up north. You yeah. can't do it. It, okay. it. it affects your body, man. All right, more on the schedule in a little bit. We're going to give you a couple options. Which ones do you like uh, in terms of who is coming here when? Uh, would any of these benefit the Jags? What's the ideal schedule for the Jags coming up in a little bit? Uh, are we going to talk some bees? If you want to, man. You we know, are about I'm, to be I'm, educated I'm on the to killer bees. bees. We're not talking about Biggio and Bagwell. <laughs> it's next on ESPN 690. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.